Hello and welcome to another edition of Retrospection, in which we decide if an old film or TV show is still a miss or a hit, or in this case, is it innocent or guilty. Very good, I like that. For this, we're taking a look at the short-lived musical cop show, Cop Rock, which ran for 11 episodes back in 1990. A whole 11 episodes? Yeah, right. yeah, amazing it. No, I was going to say something then, give the game away, but I won't. Yeah, yeah, keep it, hold it in, hold it in. Hold it, right? My name's Colin, and draw, you varmint, and prepare to meet your maker. And my name's Paul, and there are worse things to be than a sucker. There are, a sucky? A sucky? Wait. Yes? Is that a word? It is now. You've, you've just invented it, yes. IMDB gives the lengthy description of this show as the musical adventures of a police force. Well, it's, it's, not, it's not inaccurate. I mean, it doesn't give you a whole no. lot more, but it's, it's not inaccurate. It is what it, what it says it is. But are they musical adventures? They're not adventures in a music, like in a music way. <laughs> No, that is true. I mean, they don't, they don't, um, they don't dance around, do they? No, I don't remember any dancing in this one. It was a bit of gospel. That's true. Yeah, yeah movements. Movements. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> movements constitute dancing. Because I do move, I do movements every day, and I'm pretty sure they're not dancing. Yeah, that's right. Mm. They're definitely not dancing. It's not. Uh, trust me, it's not. No. Pilot episode stars Anne Bobby as Officer Vicky Quinn, Barbara Bosson as Mayor Louise Plank. David Giannopoulos as Officer Andy Campo, Larry Joshua as Captain John Hollander, James McDaniel as Officer Franklin Rose, Ron McClarty as Detective Lieutenant Ralph Ruskin, Peter Honorati as Detective Vincent LaRusso, Ronnie Cox as Chief Roger Kendrick, and Ernie Hudson as Commander Warren Osborne for this episode only. Yeah, he's not in it ever again, is he? No, he's not. I wonder whether the plan was to bring him back at some point. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or maybe she just, you know, got a brainwave. And <laughs> got out of it. Got smart. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, is this what this is? Well, he's done some things, so I don't... <laughs> he's done a few a few questionable movies, I think, so, you know. Right. So this show was created by Steve Bochco. Yes, um, and he's got a fantastic pedigree for cop shows, especially, hasn't he? Yeah, he does. Hill Street yeah. Blues. Hill Street Blues, yeah, there you go. Are you going to name any more? Is that <laughs> I it, was hoping is you... that as far as you went? <laughs> I was hoping you'd done it. That says, really? That's as far as you're going to go? Just one? So you just read the first line and went, yeah, I'm done here. Well, Hill Street, Hill Street, Blues, is, Hill Street Blues is his most famous one. Well, I would actually, I would argue that NYPD Blue... And LA Lara equally as famous as Hill Street Oh, yeah, Blues. I forgot. I always forget about NYPD Blue. You used to watch that, didn't you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, he did Murder in the First. So, some really solid police procedural dramas. Yes. Yeah. And he was a writer on shows like Colombo, Hooperman, um, things like that as well. So, I mean, he's, he's, he's definitely got a massive pedigree. Yeah. So, you keep saying, interesting word, pedigree. Not one. Well, your dog. <laughs> well, this show is a bit of a mongrel, isn't it, of uh, different styles. Nicely yeah, done. Yes, it is. Well, yeah. Did you know that in 2009, a poll was conducted that revealed that Cot Rock was voted the fifth worst TV show in broadcast history? Now, yeah, that that's surprising. <laughs> what, that it's not top? <laughs> yeah, that it's only five. <laughs> Do you want to know what was ahead of it? Yeah, well, go on. 
The Gong Show from 1976. Okay. Friends, The Friends from 1994. The one that's having a massive reunion yeah. show coming up yeah. soon. There's no cop rock reunion going on. Let's just, yeah. No, there's not, is there? The Jerry Springer Show from 91. Oh, yeah. And something called My Mother the Car from 1965. I hope that it wasn't about a car that was someone's mother. Well, that sounds like a show we should be doing in the future. (laughs) (laughs) When we've hit rock bottom. So everyone knows, when we've hit rock bottom, we're doing My Mother the Car. Uh, We're not there already. What year is my... No, no, not yet. What what year? Because there's actually one from 1965 and one from 2003. Oh, God. This one's from 65, the one that was voted in, in, the, in the top five worst. Okay. The story of the relationship between a man and his mother, the latter having been reincarnated as a 1928 Porter automobile. <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> that sounds amazing. St- st- it stars Jerry Van Dyke. Wow. So, you know, the the terrible ideas are not exclusive to uh, modern TV, are they? No, no. Never heard of that, that one. That sounds great. We're going to have to look that up. Oh, she, David's mother speaks to him from the radio of the car. Oh, I wonder whether that had an influence on Knight Rider. Oh, well, maybe. But the first problem with this, as someone points out here, is that in 1928, cars didn't come with radios. <laughs> I should point out that my mother, the car, lasted for 30 episodes. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Um, Just pointing out. But 1965 out. was a simpler time for television. Right. You mean you could churn out more before people realised it was Probably. Rubbish? Probably, yeah. I mean, there probably wasn't... Was social, social media wasn't a thing, I suppose, when cop rock was around, was it? No, not at all. I, I almost called it... I always called it cock rot. I didn't mean to. <laughs> yeah, well, there's more truth in that than yeah, you think. No. no, I'm not saying anything. Uh, I, I'm getting into this this other show, though. There's an episode called What Makes Auntie Freeze, and it's Dave is forced to drive his mother to a mountaintop wedding, but along the way she gets drunk on antifreeze. Ah, so it's a play on words. Yes, that was, ah, yeah. The title very clever, for that episode, very yeah. clever. It's good, isn't it? You're going to be looking for this now, aren't you? Yeah. Dave is up for a job as a judge, but complications ensue when he gets a pair of roller skates stuck on his feet. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, there's a lack of car and mother in that episode (laughs) description. Did he run out by then? Do you think that... This was 65, right? Yeah. Do you think there was some um, herbal enhancements going on in the writer's room for this TV show? Sounds like it. Maybe, yeah. Captain Manzini uses a molecular compressor on the porter to render it useless to Dave. An incredible shrinking car, that one's called. If any of our listeners have ever seen any of, of, of this show, My Mother the Car, please let us know. And if you want us to cover it, tell us and we'll, we'll, we'll do it. It seems to get dark at one point. In the episode entitled My Son the Criminal, a nosy mailman convinces officials that Dave killed his mother and buried her under the floor of the garage. (laughs) (laughs) So they did 30 episodes. Is that just one series? Yeah, one series. I presume that they're probably 30 minutes long, aren't they? Uh, I would think so. It's a comedy show, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right. Anyway, let's 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 stop talking about my mother, the cat. <laughs> let's get back to uh, Cop Rock. The, Any more information about this show? The, this was actually the second of two musical comedy drama shows in 1990. Ooh, what was the other one? Well, the other one was a show called Hull High. H-U-L-L, high. All right. Um, apparently, it was a, a teen musical comedy about a group of high school students in a racially diverse, and I'm quoting here, racially diverse, hip, urban setting. And that only made nine episodes. Ah, oh, so Cop Rock beat it. It did. <laughs> By a whole two. <laughs> yeah, nice. There are some big names that turn up in, I say big, but recognisable names that turn up in, in subsequent episodes. We've got um, Dennis Lipscomb from um, the pilot episode of Moonlighting. Who is he in Moonlighting? He plays the hitman who threatens them over a, a, a stove. Yeah? Right, yep. Um, CCH Pounder. Yeah, name's familiar, can't picture. She's yeah. in loads. It's a, it's a woman. She yeah. see that's how that's how <laughs> that's how much I can't picture the person because I don't even know their gender. Uh, Gina Gershon is in an episode. Well, yeah. Tony Todd, the great Candyman himself. Oh, right. And even Tim Ross from Voyager, Tuvok from Voyager, was in an episode. Oh, it's amazing they could pack all these in in nine episodes, really. Well, you only named a few. There's one an episode. There were others, but I didn't write them all down. Ah. Mm. Shirking on the job no, again. No, I, I, I didn't want to go on, but I'm trying to sell the show to you, Colin. Too late. <laughs> You've seen it. <laughs> yeah. To be honest with you, there's there's surprisingly not a lot of uh, information about Cop Rock out there, is there? No, I didn't have anything else to offer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you would think it's the kind of show that you think there's been a documentary or something about it. Yeah, because it's one of those shows that when you tell people about it, they think you're making it up. Yeah, like I, it's some kind of dream. Yeah, I get that a lot when I when I tell people about Cop Rock. They look at me like, "Nah, you're making that up." Or, and and it, they say it enough to you that you start to wonder, "Am I making it up? Did did did? Is it some sort of fever dream I had?" <laughs> Do you want to get into it then? Yeah, it's nighttime. We hear the rotor sounds of a helicopter. And then police radio chatter as we fly over a city. We cut to a number of unmarked police cars. One officer gets a call and radios another car telling Andy to turn them down. Andy responds and tells the other cop that the black and whites are turned down tight. They switch their headlights off, which is, I guess, what they meant. Mm-hmm. Now, this is already looking gritty and modern to my eyes. A 90s modern. I mean, doesn't look like it was filmed yesterday. No, but it, it, I mean, it doesn't look like an 80s TV show. It's not, it's 90s. No, I knew you were going to say that, but there's not <laughs> a difference between the 80s and the 90s. Not, not the, I mean, it's 1990, isn't it? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I, think it, I think it's all very frantic and, it, and, and quite raw looking, and it looks, it looks real. It looks like a, it yeah. looks like a Stephen Boccio show. I, I don't have a problem with the way it looks. It's when anybody opens their mouth that problems occur. All right, okay. I'm sure you'll explain. Yeah. They pull up and get out the cars and run towards the house. And they use a winch on one of the cars to pull the bars away that are over the front door of the house. As they do, they start yelling at the police and they have a warrant. One officer bashes the door open and they steam in, yelling and shouting, 
Freeze, get down, don't move. It's chaotic, lights flashing around, people screaming. A young woman with a baby is discovered. Officer Vicky Quinn is told to take the baby. Some of the people in the house fight back. The woman panics as they take her baby away. And then, ruining the uh, gritty realism that Paul just mentioned, we get an example of that horrible cliché dialogue we're about to experience for the next 48 minutes. When will I get her back? That isn't up to us. Well, who's it up to? It's up to the judge. Yeah, just the way people talk. Yes, it, all right, it's cliched, okay. But you, you've accepted it, you've, you've accepted worse in other, in other situations, in other, in other movies and TV shows, I think. What's that got to do with this show? You can't go around comparing other shows to other films and TV, otherwise you never get anywhere. Also, this is set up to be look gritty and realistic, but then the dialogue seems to be written by a 15-year-old boy who's never actually seen a human interaction in his life. <laughs> All right, okay. All right, I take your point. I take your point. I'm not sure I agree with you, but all right. I mean, I, I think... No, we'll, we'll talk about it at the end. We'll t- I'll leave it till right. the end, all right? While the woman is trying to tell him that the baby only takes a special formula, Vincent, one of the cops, tells her to shut up. As they drag out the gang members, they start rapping, and we have her first song. Yo, man, we'll be back to the bye afternoon. Shut your mouth. Hey, who are you talking to like that? What's the matter with you, son? You were told to be quiet. <laughs> because you, son, he's not your dad. He's just a dumb white cop. You made him mad. Punk with a badge. Call himself a man. Worked all his life for his eight and nine grand. Looked real pretty with a gun in his hand. You take it away, he's a chomp. That's right, chomp. Better do what they say. We have the power. I think that this is actually quite well done. This, this I, think it, I think it fits with what's happening. I'm all in at this point, I have to say. And we cut to the opening credits featuring a middle-of-the-road rock song. Oh Which my god! Actually, won an Emmy Award. Randy Newman. What can you say about Randy Newman? Okay, he keeps winning. He keeps winning awards, and he's awful. <laughs> and he's he's in the opening credits singing and playing the piano. He is, and it's it's a terrible song, terribly performed, terrible lyrics. The the only good. <laughs> I don't like Randy Newman. All right, and and oh, the only I can't tell. Yeah. And the only good thing about the about the um, the opening credits is I did like how all the cast seemed to just turn up. Oh, you like that? It was very reminiscent of um, the Jesus Christ Superstar movie from the seventies, where all the cast turn up in a van and get out and then put their costumes on and then the movie starts. See, I hated that. Like I, I actually thought, oh, these are actually better actors than I thought because somehow they managed to hide their embarrassment in agreeing to do this rubbish. <laughs> I did, I did notice how one or two of them look like they're trying to, that look like they're, they're they're trying to enjoy the Randy Newman song. <laughs> well, yeah, some of them are like, I've never heard music like this before. What is this? <laughs> do you know Mike Post is on keyboards in the video? Too? Is he? Is he? I yeah. did, I, I did see a guy on keyboards. I wondered who it was, but um, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. awful. We cut to a courtroom, and the police are defending the way they entered the house. The judge says the prisons are overcrowded and that the police found only a small amount of drugs, so he's going to release the prisoners to await trial. The prosecutor argues that these gang members are a flight risk. The judge says that this hasn't been established. 
And the prosecutor continues to say that because the overcrowding of jails only applies to male facilities, that the woman, Patricia Spence, that's the one with the baby, Mm -hmm. be held on bail. The judge agrees. Officer Quinn goes over to Patricia and tells her that the baby's doing okay, but Patricia has something to tell her. The gang members are happy they're getting out. The judge says, hey, scumbags, go celebrate out in the hall. So is that how judges talk to people who haven't been found guilty of anything yet that you've just just released? It did remind me a little bit of those um, those scenes in Miami Vice in courtrooms. They'd, but they're done better in Miami Vice. Like, I, I was thinking about the scene when all the lights go off and everyone pulls guns. Oh, yeah, but that's done played for laughs. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Whereas this, this is amusing, but it's not supposed to be amusing, I don't think. <laughs> right. No, I don't think it's supposed to be. Mm. But that, that's one of the issues I have with the show, with this episode, which I guess we'll do in the summer. Okay, up. okay. Vincent's commanding officer, because, oh, we're now at the police station. Mm-hmm. Vincent's commanding officer is asking why Vincent didn't turn up for cart yesterday. We know this is Vincent's CL because he says, I'm your commanding officer. I assume he says that because Vincent's so dumb, he seems like somebody who has trouble remembering who people are. (laughs) Yeah, he's not the brightest, is he? (laughs) No. So now we get a rant about criminals being released on their own recognizance Mm -hmm. on the same day they're arrested. (sighs) Vincent CL just tells him that he expects Vincent to turn up for cart today. Do you think there's a little bit of a... It's a bit problematic in places as well, this, isn't it? Because... All the gang members are are black. Most of the cops are white, apart from the odd one who's just there to, to, to make it look like they're not being racist. Right. And I don't know. I don't think I think it would. Be, this would have a problem today. I think it would be one of those shows that if it was on a streaming service, it would have contains problematic material warnings before you <laughs> before you get to watch it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, maybe. Actually, that, that's a question. Um, that's, that's a question I was going to ask you. Um, I can I think I kind of know already before we get to the summary about what you're going to what what you think of this. But do you think that that the whole concept didn't work because it's ahead of its time, or I mean, considering the fact that that something like Glee was so popular over the last few years, which is kind of the same format. It's a musical again, set in, but it's set in high school, I suppose. Um, or do you still do you think it still wouldn't work today? It, given that it maybe it had better writing, but the concept of mixing a police procedural drama with with a musical, do you think that still wouldn't work? No, it doesn't work. You don't think it works? And I'll and I'll I'll, I'll tell. Well, I don't think it works, and I'll explain why. At the okay, end. all right. Uh, so Vicky enters and has to speak to the CEO. She tells him that her prisoner Patricia was forthcoming about names and addresses of crack houses and dealers. The CO asks her if it was anything they didn't already have. Vicky says, not really, but she wants to spring Patricia anyway, and she doesn't want to see her lose the child. And the CO, he goes, eh, he's like, okay. Vicky then says, I guess you think I'm a sucker. And the CO says, there's worse things to be than a sucker. Yep, like being an actor in this show. Well, that does suck. Yeah, it does, because you got cancelled after 11 episodes, and yeah. Oh, you could look oh, at it the way that you, 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 know, you, you dodged a bullet. Yeah, you imagine if you imagine that. if this got yeah. renewed for like ten seasons and you were locked into it and couldn't get out. But if it was successful, even if it was bad, would you care? 
Oh, you'd have to ask an mm-hmm. actor these questions, pal. So we cut to a patrol car. Vicky is driving. Her partner Andy asks why she always has to drive. She says it's because she's a better driver. He says it's because she's a control freak. I'm not sure the HO would approve of some of this banter. And I'm, I'm using quote-unquote the word banter here. Well, the, the relationship's a little uh, complicated because Andy makes some sexual comments to her and Vicky says her husband will kill him. And he says, it'd be worth it. In your dreams, she says. Mm-hmm. So there's a weird thing going on between them. And, and up to this point, you're like, oh, this Andy, he's just a sex pest. He does come across that way, yes. Oh, up to here, but it changes slightly later. Mm. A dirty white van suddenly pulls out in front of the squad car at high speed. Did they not see the police car? <laughs> you know, I never thought of that, no. <laughs> it's right there. <laughs> maybe they don't... If they just drove slowly, or let it go first. Maybe gang, mem- gang members don't have any peripheral vision. Oh, they got like those blinkers yeah. that horses were. Yeah, maybe that... That was what the, the trend was in the 90s. It could be. I mean, there was lots of strange things going on in the 90s, so it could have been that. Yeah, a lot of fashion trends that didn't catch on anywhere mm-hmm. else. I mean, I, I still walk around with blinkers on to this day, usually. That's true. You do. Mm-hmm. But they're emotional blinkers, pal. <laughs> yeah, I can't really say anything about that, really. <laughs> <laughs> So the cops run the license plates, and then we've got a live one, says Andy. Lights and sirens go on, and they give chase. He calls it in and requests backup. Another car responds. This one has an officer called Frank, and some of us so far nameless cop who loads his shotgun and then claims it'll be like hunting with his daddy. Yeah. Ah. Another character appears to be written by a 15-year-old boy whose only experience of human interactions is from bad Vietnam movies. They chase the van up some alleyways. More cars join in. The van crashes into a children's playground. One of the occupants jumps out of the van and opens fire with a machine gun. He shoots the nameless cop. Well, I guess we now know why he's nameless. Yeah, well, we don't need to know his name, do we? No. no. It's a good chase sequence, though. There's children... What was good about it? I thought it was, thought it was quite quite good. I thought it was... It looks like every the same as every other American cop show. Nothing special. Yeah, but about that doesn't it. make it bad, does it? But you're acting like, oh, they went overboard. It was amazing. It was the greatest cop show. Oh, it was brilliant. It's like, no, it just looked like anything else you've ever I'm seen. Not, no, I'm certainly not saying it's the greatest cop show I've ever seen. No, you're putting words in my mouth. Yeah, well, that's what you're, your exact words. I'll edit them in later. I'll <laughs> <laughs> go, right, yes, Colin. It's the best show I've ever seen. I can see your lips, <laughs> Best car chase ever. <laughs> Well, well, Paul, that's terrible. No, it's not. That's not what I'm saying, Colin, but all right. <laughs> it was average at best. All right. Ooh, he's getting angry now. I can see it in his eyes. <laughs> no, I don't, I, trust me, I don't care enough to get angry. <laughs> There's children everywhere, so the police don't return fire. That seems unlikely for these cops, doesn't it? Uh, considering what happens later, absolutely, yes. It seems like they've just been mowing everyone Pretty down. Much, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Frank cr- crawls over to his partner, whose medical CPR training seems to involve him yelling at his friend's face and violently shaking him. <laughs> this is some fantastic acting from this guy, I have to say. But he, at one point, doesn't he... He, he starts screaming. Yeah, he starts screaming, somebody help me! <laughs> yeah, he's like, don't you die on me! But then he's shaking the guy. 
the, the, the doctors later were going, you know, he would have survived if you hadn't been shaking him so much. You shook the bullet through his head. <laughs> yes, I know. I know. That did amuse me as you well. You've just done your basic medical training that you were given. <laughs> yeah. These gang members didn't kill him. You did. Dum, 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 dum. <laughs> slow fade out. <laughs> slow, slow fade. Oh, then a song about how he's like, I shouldn't have shaken him. It was me that did him in. <laughs> hey, that's a good lyric. <laughs> there were bullets flying through the earth. <laughs> but it was because I could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Elvis. Elvis is in the building. <laughs> Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah, Elvis is a, a regular much. <laughs> Moby Dick. Another, ga- another gang member gets out of the van. Oh, Vegas, I know, Elvis. Can't beat it. He's unarmed and lays down the floor. We cut to the station. Vincent and another detective are interrogating the guy from the van. Vincent pours hot coffee, like, over the guy. It's like, I don't know what's going on here. He's just pouring hot coffee. I think coffee the, 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 they keep... Piling hot coffee into him, and then they won't let him go to the toilet, will they? No, no. Is that normal? Question to No, and I mean, it, it, it's kind of, again, another problematic scene in this day and age, watching a white cop pretty much brutalising a, a black suspect. And I wonder whether they thought that they were, they were being clever by having one of the other cops in the room be, also being black. They thought maybe that would, would help with any criticism of it. Well, you could spin it and so that, that it's obviously the cop that's in the wrong. Well, yeah, it is the cop that's in the wrong. They're showing it, showing him. No, but it's not, it's, it's not like, it's not problematic because it's showing how wrong it is. Oh, I suppose problematic is the wrong word. Uncomfortable in, in a modern yeah. setting. I okay. Think he's, he's... Yeah. Who thought the cop rock would throw up all these issues? I know. Well? I know. And no one, do you know what? I guarantee that no one's thought of this. In what thirty odd years, <laughs> no one's even considered it. No, it's because they got lives, Paul. So this guy's called Nelson. Nelson says if he goes into a court to testify, he's dead. Vincent says they don't need him to testify. What they're doing here is against his constitutional rights. His testimony is worthless. Nelson says he doesn't know the guy's name that was in the van with the one who shot the cop. Vincent tells him that every cop outside that door wants five minutes alone with Nelson. If he doesn't give him the name, he's going to sell tickets to his execution. Yeah. Nelson says, yeah. Nelson says he has to pee. He can't hold it in anymore. And Vincent continues to try to drown him with coffee. And then he wets himself. Yeah. Eventually, Nelson gives up the name. It's Tyrone Weeks. Weeks was one of the crackheads they picked up the other night. One the judge let out. Ah, See, all the pieces falling into place. Yeah, like a jigsaw cut by a <laughs> madman. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like a jigsaw with a few pieces missing. We cut, we cut to the gym in the police station. Frank is working out. Yeah, this police station has a gym. Do police stations have gyms? I suppose they could. No reason why not, I guess. I suppose that cops need to stay fit, don't they? <laughs> I suppose so. <laughs> Yeah, watch what you say. You see how he tells him to go home, but Frank wants to get back on the street because every time he closes his eyes, he sees what happened again. His CEO tells Frank to call his girlfriend and get her to pick him up and go home. He tells Frank that he can call him any time. We cut to Patty. 
Vicky hands over her baby and tells Patty that she needs to stop with the drugs and get her into a program. But Patty doesn't want to do it. She doesn't want to give up her baby to somebody while she's in rehab. We cut to the CO talking to a detective called Danny about weeks. Mm-hmm. He lives with his grandmother and has a girlfriend and a brother. Check them out. Yeah, doesn't he say that he's got a <sighs> retarded brother? Yeah, mm. he does. We're, we're really we're really nailing this into the 90s, aren't we, <laughs> at this point? <laughs> certainly are, yeah. yeah. Yep. The CO enters the men's room, and there's a guy at the urinal next to him called Frank, who appears to be, only be able to pee whilst holding up the wall with his other hand. Yeah, I, I thought that was strange. And I'm not being funny, but two men chatting at the urinal, that's just wrong. Yeah, it is, yeah. Uh, Frank's complained that he didn't get a single uncontaminated print off the van. Not sure why he needs a print, because he caught the guy red-handed and they, they know the name of the other guy, so not sure why they need a print, but all right, carry on. Do you think, starts do, complaining, do, do you think that they consciously got the actor to put his hand on the wall of the urinal to show that he's not that clean, even though he's a forensics person? Or do you think I'm... Reading oh. slightly more into it than there is. Maybe. Why Why wouldn't the wall eight foot up in the air be unclean? Well, Who's peeing up there, <laughs> well, it just, it, You know, would you touch a wall in a toilet? I wouldn't, in a public toilet. No, I suppose not. Mm. I see your point. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe it was uh, kind of like a, uh, a subliminal message about leaving prints. Possibly. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. yeah. See, there's more more to this show than you thought, Colin. There's not. He then starts complaining about his medical issue. That he has to go to the urologist because he feels like he has to go all the time. But nothing happens. At this point, I was thinking, for a musical, it's been a while without a song, fortunately. But are we about to get a three-minute single about peeing? Every cloud burst, every twilight, and at the heavenly choir of day, you are the granite steps that carve my way. My main thought, my desire, my one glee, the passion I require. While I often use poetry to eulogize you This song is not one of those lyrical few This one it focuses on my only guarantee It's my constant feeling of wanting to pee In the men's room and the wall I got a feeling, oh, that it's gonna fall They don't know what I'm there for I just feel the need to push out more You're my wife, my number one Except when I need to do a number one On your shoulder, I see a strange her What's that follicle doing there? Is it yours? 
is it mine? Gotta go, it's peeing time Can't hold back, there's no slack I need to empty that sack In the men's room, pan and wall I got a feeling it's gonna fall They don't know what I'm there for Just feel the need to push out more At the very least, you're half my age For some reason, that makes Paul rage But he doesn't know that you're the bow That ties a knot in my flow You're my wife, my number one Except when I need to do number one But Frank continues at the getting old And he sees a hair on the CO's shirt Hmm, isn't yours? Female and not your wife's. There's, there's no payoff to that, is there? In this episode, anyway. Maybe not. Yeah, not in this episode. Maybe yeah. later ones. He's also not a friend you really want around, is he? Well, no, but I mean, you wouldn't want to make friends with a forensic guy anyway, would you? Why not? It could help you out when you kill that person, Paul. <laughs> no, I just meant that he, he, he. I mean, the idea of him noticing in noticing the hurt is to show that he he picks up on every detail. Which why, when mm-hmm. he does what he does at the end of this episode, it makes it more kind of horrific, doesn't it? Yeah. If I could remember what that was, <laughs> I'd agree with you. <laughs> well, he tells a little porky pie, doesn't he? He tells a lie. All right. Yeah, oh, yeah, he does, mm-hmm. yeah. We cut to Andy and Vicky driving home. They talk about what just happened, and Andy reaches out to touch her. She stops him. You can't say there's nothing there, he says. There isn't, she replies. What can we do about this? He says, nothing. She answers, ah, dialogue. He tells her (laughs) that he goes home, goes to bed and stares at the ceiling thinking about her. But then she gets out of the car and she says she thinks about him too. Ah. Mm -hmm. What are you saying? I'm saying that up to then it's just been like Andy being the sex pest, but Maybe he's picked up on signals that were there she, that we didn't have. She's into him, but she's conflicted because she's married. Yeah. 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 As, as Andy drives away, Vicky enters her home. She walks into the study and we see that her husband, who is Frank. Now, this is the most unrealistic thing in a show with singing cops, in that this guy married this woman. Why, are you ageist? Well, I mean, he's not. Because he's a lot older than her. Well, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying. I mean, he's not... Uh... Yeah, you're ageist. No, he's not. No. Yeah. They don't look like they would be a couple. A couple? Yes. Ah, why? Because he's older than Well, she's slightly out of his league, isn't she? Don't you think? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, didn't see it that way. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Vicky kisses him on the head and says she'll probably be asleep when he comes to bed. He says he loves her and she replies, I love you too. A piano starts. Oh God, please not. But yes, Frank is going to sing a love song. Can't we have a peeing song instead, please, Frank? No, we're getting this one. Not much to talk to 
And I know how I look What I know about life Comes out of a book But of all of the people There are in the world She chose me This is probably the most sort of musical Broadway type song in the whole episode, I think. Um, I think it's a close, if it's not the top, it's a close second to the end one. Yes, yes, there is the end one as well, yeah. So uh, Vicky's gone to bed, she's trying to sleep but can't because there's a bloke downstairs singing and suddenly there's a piano in his house. <laughs> Can you imagine? She's like, shut up down there, every evening you do this, it's the same song too. Oh, he sings the same song every night. <laughs> Yeah, every night do the peeing song frank i love you but do the peeing song can you can you imagine sitting down to watch this you know you're all excited about the latest stephen bocho cop show that, that's coming on you know big fan of hill street blues big fan of la law and it's all going really good and then this happens oh trust me i, I do know what that's like we cut to commander Osborne in an office he approaches a blanket on a chair Chief Kendrick springs out of a gun yelling, Reach for the sky, mister! It's me, Osborne calmly says. For some reason, Kendrick is sleeping in his office. Osborne is worried about the speech Kendrick is going to give, but Kendrick doesn't care. He wants to show Osborne something. Kendrick uh, takes out a gun from a nice ivory box. It's a 51 Colt Navy that was owned by Bill Hickok, who's a lawman, gambler, scout, showman, killed during a car game in Deadwood. Kendrick straps on a gun belt. He has two of the guns and puts them in the holster. He presses a button and a door opens. A mannequin dressed as a cowboy slides out. A recording starts to say things like, Why, you yellow-bellied sawduster, I ain't afraid of you. Kendrick says, Then draw, you vermin, and prepare to meet your maker. The mannequin draws its guns. Kendrick shoots it. He twirls his guns and places them back in the holster, whilst the mannequin moans about being shot. I have so many questions now. Who made this? How does it work? How come there's no panic in the building when they hear shots? I know, it, it, it's completely bonkers. And it's it, it's really out of place as well, isn't it? With what we've seen so far. Yes. It, considering that there's been musical numbers in it as well, it's, this, this bit just... It's very strange. Do you think that it's... 1990 was that time, wasn't it, where there were a lot of shows that had quirky characters in, you know, things like Twin Peaks and... Um, the one that you... Yeah, and the one that you liked, the um, the one about the... Was he a... Oh, what was it? It was like a Twin Peaks type thing. Was he a doctor? Northern Exposure. That's the one I'm thinking of, yeah. Yeah. You know, lots of lots of shows with quirky moments and quirky characters. Do you think that's what they were going for with, with some of this? Uh, maybe, but this is very jarring. All, all those it, it, shows... It is. It, it kind of yeah. all fits together, but this this is weird. Yeah, and when they put stuff like this in into episodes like, for example, as we said before, Miami Vice, it always it never felt out of place. Right. It, all, it, it, always, it always seemed perfectly logical what they were doing. Yeah. Yeah, this this and something that's coming up soon with the Murr are the two moments in this show that that lost me a bit. Ah, now 
I'm completely 180 to that. This and the Merbit are the bits that are good. It's the rest of the garbage that doesn't work. <laughs> well, that sounds about right for us, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm totally opposite <laughs> of you. He, he's also... I'm guessing that the whole thing of him sleeping on his couch with his 357 Magnum under his pillow and why he's doing that, they were planning on, on, on giving us more. Oh, who knows? Later. Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's very hopeful of you paul i, lo- I love i'd it. like to think so i love your enthusiasm i know i know it's kept me going this long hasn't it yeah, <laughs> yeah it's very strange it is very strange yeah and it doesn't work but ronnie cox is good he's always dependable yes that's true yeah they got a good actor mm-hmm. for that one yeah I was going to say because he's kind of like Ernie Hudson, but Ernie Hudson is only in one scene. So yeah, Ronnie Cox does come back a few times in this first episode, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah. Mm. So the chief is giving a speech about the dead cop and he's saying that he's tired of giving eulogies to police officers. He yeah. talks about how the prime suspect was in custody less than 24 hours for the shooting but then was released due to the fact that there was no room in the prisons. That's right, yeah. All the prisons? Everywhere? Yeah, apparently. (laughs) No room for that one person. Crime is rife now. All right, okay. So he turns to beg the Murr to make more room, and the Murr takes the podium and promises to do just that. She goes on to say that the new jail will be built and be named after the dead police officer. That's something nice yeah. for the family. It is, yeah. It'll be called Dead Policeman Prison. Because <laughs> well, I don't remember his name. Well, <laughs> we, don't, we don't know, do we? That's the problem, Paul. <laughs> can't remember what it was called. Nameless Prison. I, I have trouble with lots of the names in this, so, <laughs> so bear right. with me, all right? Okay. She goes on to say that the jail will be open within 12 months and that if anyone wants to try to oppose her, then let them try. This is the kind of um, tough female character that Stephen Boccio was well known for in his shows. But it seems a bit off in this, don't you think? There's something not quite right. Yes, the dialogue, it's horrible. You think that's what it is? I, I, for, for me, yeah, the dialogue, it just seems... It's just so on the nose and cliched and it, it it is it's like to me it's like someone has seen a cop show mm-hmm. and is writing dialogue that is copying a cop show that's copying real life it's not copying real life which if you're doing a sort of parody or a slightly amusing musical cop series then that's okay but then you've got it trying to be gritty yeah, I, I, I think what you're saying is it, it's, I suppose it's kind of like, I can see what you mean about the dialogue. It's kind of like a cop show, a cop show that we would have written when we were 15. Yes, exactly. Without yeah, any research cause... whatsoever. The only research that we would have done would be watching a few episodes of Miami Vice and maybe a bit of TJ Hooker and we'd have been in. And, yeah. Yeah. And that's where our dialogue would come from. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not saying I can't see that. I can see that. I can see that. She does have very severe hair, though, this man. Yeah, it's a lot of hair, right? It's a lot of hair and a lot of hairspray as well. Yeah. 
Apparently, they, they wanted to go for a bit of a Margaret Thatcher vibe with her. Oh, well, now you said that. I Yeah, I can see that now. I would never yeah. have thought of that at the time, but now you've mentioned mm-hmm. it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so the murder then takes a meeting with some man about building the jail. We never... Does she actually even say who this guy is? He comes in with a suitcase. Yeah. No, I can't remember who he is. Well, anyway, she wants it built fast. And then we get another musical number. I want this jail. I want it fast. Yes, ma'am. And I'm hoping you're the man that can build it for me. Are you that man, Frank? You bet. First of all, I'd like to let you know that I really do admire you so. And when it all is said and done, I can tell that you're the one. You can tell that she's the one. Now I want you all to understand. In this, this one's very, very theatrical. It's kind of a little funky number compared to the ones that we've already seen. Uh, I, I didn't think it worked very well. I thought it was a bit, it was overly stagey, this, this, I thought. Yeah, is that because of the act, actors doing it? Yeah, I think, yeah. I, think, I think that the actress playing the Merc, she seemed a bit lost to me in this. Right. And she didn't have the greatest voice either. Yeah. You liked this though, didn't you? No, no. Well, I mean, I like the idea of it, but I don't think it was a good good song or a good no. performance, but it did fitted like... in with the Kendrick side of things. Yeah, I suppose. I, I did like especially, the, glowing, the glowing suitcase with the money in. That's exactly what I was going to say, especially the glowing green, which is the box that she had from her previous podcast, by the way. In, in, when, in the film She... Oh, we did pre- do you remember we do we do a podcast <gasps> path. We have we do, do different films and TV you, you, shows. Each, you threw each time. me. You threw me again, exactly like you did when we did the she podcast. When you just said that the box that she had. Yeah, yeah, it's soup again, Paul. Soup. <laughs> I wanted jelly. Oh well, no, you don't get that anymore. Cause you just smear it all over your nipples. <laughs> How do you know? Um, because the, the nurse has to clean it off, she told me. Oh, yeah, that's the best part. Oh, that explains why you do it. Okay, yeah. I'll let her know. Yeah, so I, the fact that it's glowing green, again, links it to the Kendrick side of the show, but not mm-hmm. the gritty, realistic side. Okay, I, I, I think I think I like the glowing green suitcase because I, li- I do like the moments where it does take you out of the police procedural and goes into kind of a surrealistic sort of setting you know I do, I do like that you get another one in a minute in the courtroom don't we mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i do like those moments I, 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 and i i would like to think or hope that that as the series progressed or would have progressed that they wouldn't have overdone those that they were just sprinkled them in in places they, they should have had uh, the the officer that was shot in the beginning he should have been in a coma and then at the last episode he wakes up and the whole series was just him in the coma hmm that sounds like something else that well it's like um sent elsewhere where it, that the whole the whole how many years they did was it was turned out to be in, in the boy's imagination <laughs> is that really what they did yeah yeah the whole 
Solstice. Show. Oh, I never knew that. I was thinking of Life on Mars. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it was original, but it would have been a, it would have been original in 1990, and it would have been a way of of getting over the whole musical aspect of it as well for people that didn't really do musicals. Yeah, and balancing the absurdity with the realism. Yeah, yeah. And so, explain why the dialogue sounds like it's written by a child. Oh, I see. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, that's a good idea, Colin. There you go. Cop rock remake. We could do it better. No, it's okay. <laughs> No, it's, no, it's all right. <laughs> I'll pass. Um, back, back at the station, Vicky meets with Patty, who wants to talk to her. She offers to pass on information as to where the suspect is hiding out. Uh, she wants some money for it. Vicky takes Patty to the captain, and he only offers her $50 now and another 50 later if the tip pans out. I don't think that was even a lot in 1990, was it, really? Not $50, no. For risking your life. But this captain doesn't come across as a nice guy anyway, does he? No, he hasn't even got a name. The captain. <laughs> yeah. I think he has got a name. It's just we're too lazy to look it up. Oh, yes. Yeah. Reluct- yeah. Reluctantly, Patty takes the deal. So later, the DA, a man called Mursky, meets LaRusso coming out of the courthouse elevator. Hele- Hele- <laughs> the the elevator. Oh, is that one that takes off? Got rotor blades on it? <laughs> he-, he sounds like a gladiator, doesn't he? <laughs> oh. And in the lifeguard, it's a elevator weighing 240 pounds. Hella, 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 Vita! Sorry, go on. He comes out of the courthouse he- elevator. I'm saying it again. Hella, <laughs> hella. He comes out of the courthouse elevator. And I'm leaving all that in. Mursky's played by um, Armin Shimmerman, who we best know as Quark. From Deep Space Nine, he also yes, played Pascal do, in yeah. one of your favourite shows, Beauty and the Beast. Colin, you love that show, don't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. it's great. It's one of my favourites. I've met him, you know. Uh, I'm in Shimmerman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not not Pascal because he's a fictional character. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> well, I met uh, him in Shimmerman. You know, sometimes, okay, sometimes you get excuses. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you tell him that your favourite thing he's done was Beauty and the Beast? Did he punch you? Well, it, it was a Beauty and the Beast convention, Colin, so... Oh, so, well, fair enough then, yeah. Well, he'd do anything for cash, wouldn't he? <laughs> He's proud of his role in Beauty and the Beast. Well, like, it's, it's a well, uh, well-rated and esteemed show. It is. I mean, the original. Yes, I'm... Oh, yes! We're not talking about... <laughs> we're not talking about that, the, the other one. No, no, God, no. Mursky um, is the prosecutor on the case, and he's really nervous about the upcoming trial. He's desperate to get LaRusso into the courtroom. But LaRusso needs to pee. There's a lot of um, underlying urine conversation in this episode, isn't there? There is. Um, no peeing song. Nope. I know. They missed a beat there. And no actual peeing. Oh, no. No. Just lots of... It wouldn't be funny if it caught to him and he's holding up the wall of his hand. <laughs> just, in every episode, one person does it. And then, and then there's a shot like uh, in one of the episodes where there's a woman sat on the toilet and she's got one hand on the wall. Yeah, that yeah, that would be fun. I'd be looking for that every episode. Yeah, you would. That's that's the thing. That's your Easter egg. There it is. So, so later in the courtroom, Mursky calls Detective Larusso to the stand. Mursky, I've written Mursky. It's not Mursky, is it? Mursky asks. He probably what? It, it probably is. He looks. It looks a bit musky. A bit musky. Yeah. Musky Mursky. Yeah. Musky Mursky asks Larusso what happened after the drug deal was made. Larusso says that he and his partner handed over the money, 
and then he took possession of the cocaine. So look, this threw me for a second because I'm thinking, I don't remember some drug deal happening in this episode. Ah, all right. But this yeah. is obviously a previous case. Yes. Now, we should say that LaRusso's also suddenly got his arm in a sling, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. There's no mention of why, though. We assume that it's just a ploy. I think to it's just a ploy, yeah. Ghana, the judges. Yeah, but they don't say, like, oh, look what I'm going to do. No, and oddly, when he gets out of the elevator in the previous scene and he's talking to Mursky in the corridor, they shoot it in a way that you can't see the other arm. So you can't see whether he's got it in the sling already or not. So I, get it. I think you're supposed to think that he's gone into the toilet to put his arm into the sling. Right, because that's what you do in the toilet. You have to go in there to put your arm in a sling. Well, he, yeah. he wouldn't want yeah, people to see him do yeah. it. But if he was really smart, he'd do it before he got to the courtroom, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, like, everyone's just seen him arrive. <laughs> oh, when did you do that? Or oh, just outside. I slipped. I slipped on the, uh, on the urinal cake. <laughs> people have lost their universal credit on much less than that, Colin. <laughs> Uh, uh, it went right over. It broke my arm. Two places. <laughs> Two places? Yeah, the bathroom and the hallway. <laughs> Here all week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's lockdown for you. I know, I know. He goes on to say that as they identified themselves as police officers, the defendant pulled his gun and started firing. LaRusso and his partner returned fire, and they managed to make the arrest. So... LaRusso's, he's a pretty dirty cop, isn't he, at this point? Well, not dirty, yeah. but... Oh, yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah, he's... he's, he's, he's filthy. Filthy. That's <laughs> <laughs> you wanted. Yeah. It, it got me thinking that, to be honest with you, there's not really many likeable characters, if any, in this whole show, is there? Well, that's one of the problems I have with it. There's no, there is no likeable characters in the show, yeah. except Kendrick's kind of likeable because he's fun. I suppose, but there's nobody to root for, really, is there? No, no. Yeah. The defendant's lawyer then questions LaRusso, inferring that they didn't identify themselves as police officers properly and that his client was just defending himself. <laughs> and, and we get a shot of the drug dealer. I mean, come on, this guy looks like the most stereotypical 90s drug dealer you've ever seen in your life. He's got the big shoulder-padded suit on. He's got a ponytail. <laughs> mm-hmm. He reminded me of the guy in Tango and Cash. You know the guy that could be South African, but we're not quite sure? Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 See previous episode, Tango and Cash. Yeah, it was a long time ago. It was ago. a long time ago, yes. And LaRusso gets a bit heated, telling the lawyer that they went in to make a drug bust, wondering whether they would get out alive. The lawyer infers that LaRusso is just being dramatic, and LaRusso goes on to tell a story about how he was just getting coffee the other day and almost got killed by a sniper about how a police officer was recently killed by a suspect who had been released because the jails were too crowded. And things get a little tense. The lawyer wants LaRusso to be held in contempt, and the judge shuts him down. It's, it's not a bad performance from this guy pulling LaRusso. It's just the problem is, as you say, the dialogue. Yeah. Yeah, and, and um... would, wouldn't the judge shut him down as soon as he looked like he was getting on his soapbox? Yeah, well, well, why are you making a speech? That's not what you're here for. Just answer the question. <laughs> and also, what's with the sniper? Where did that come from? Is he the most unlikable policeman in the world or I something? Know. He, he, it's almost like he's living in um, New York from Escape from New York, isn't it? The way that he describes it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just walk out on the street, there's people shooting at you. 
But he, he says yeah. that, he, you know, he just wants the bad guy to be put away because the streets are getting out of control. That's what he's trying to infer. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's got that. He, he is like the TJ Hooker of this show. Well, I think that's a bit insulting to TJ Hooker, to be honest with you. TJ Hooker was never this bad. He wouldn't bend the rules and, and break the law to get a conviction, would he? I mean, he was completely against all that kind of thing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, all right, I take it back. But he, what I meant was that his his idea of judges and, like, I'm sure his opinion of the press is the same, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, he's he's, he's old he, old school, isn't he? That's one way of yeah. putting it. <laughs> I'm not apologising for him, by the way. I know it sounds like I am, but I'm not. Oh, I, I know. Well, I mean, you're the one sitting over a LaRusso T-shirt. <laughs> oh, you noticed that, did you? All right. <laughs> Yeah. Do you want me to take it off, Colin? Is that what you're saying? Oh, <laughs> hell no. See all that jelly on your nipples. <laughs> it's, it's start, Nurse hasn't been today. It is today. starting to sting, actually, yes. Uh, back, at, back at the yeah. station, Patty comes back uh, looking for the other $50 that was promised to her. But Vicky tells her that the information that she gave didn't pan out. Patty tells Vicky that the guy must have split before they got there. But Vicky tells her that the only offer on the table now is to help her to get into a program. Hopefully one that's better than Cop Rock. <laughs> <laughs> Points of view. <laughs> oh. dear, dear sir. <laughs> <laughs> why or oh, why or oh, why? Cop Rock, why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's just it. It'd just be that one word. <laughs> Sincerely, Patricia. No, he'd send it in as a song, wouldn't he? Oh, that's true, yeah. <laughs> they argue, and Patty tells Vicky that if she goes into a program, she'll lose her baby. Vicky tells her that she can't help her with money, and Patty just replies that everybody's sorry, and she leaves upset. I, I was waiting for another song here, and it didn't come. It kind of threw me. I thought, there's going to be a song here. There's, there's less songs than I remember. There's only... Is it four or five, yeah. something like that? Each episode, each episode has the same amount. You got to say songs. though, it's quite it's quite a feat to come up with four or five songs for every episode, don't you think? No, fair enough. The jury comes back into the court. <laughs> <laughs> the jury comes back into the courtroom. The judge, played by Carl Anderson, Judas from Jesus Christ Superstar, the movie that I mentioned earlier. Yeah, yeah. Bear in mind, it's not one person writing these songs. It is a number of different people. Yeah, but, you know, to come up with interesting songs. No, but you just come up with one and then three other people I come suppose. up with one and then you've got your all your songs. You don't, you don't, you've not got one guy sitting there banging out five songs an episode. I suppose. We're not talking Babylon 5 and J. Michael, whatever his last name is. Feeling the need to write every episode himself. the whole thing. Yeah. yeah, there's a whole group of people. Okay, all right. I'll take your point. So... The- <laughs> it's funny when you say that like take your point it's like you there's a bit that's silent where you go i'll take your point and shove it right up your ass <laughs> that's what i'm hearing when you say that at that tone of voice i take your point and i ram it right up where i don't care <laughs> if i don't say it, it doesn't count um so the, the judge oh. asks the jury if they've reached a verdict they say that they have then the judge turns to a courtroom assistant, snaps his fingers and says, Hit it! The man, the man lifts up his desk, revealing a neon-lit keyboard. And we launch into another musical number.
judge, he's guilty. You could see it in his eyes. He did the crime and now he's gotta pay. He's guilty, judge, he's guilty. We have seen through all his lies. The time has come to put this boy Uh, it's a it's a gospel tinge song, this, isn't it? It's probably the biggest theatrical number in the whole episode. Yeah, my guess is they went, oh, there's 12 people in the jury. That's like a choir. Let's do a gospel yeah, song. I, I'm assuming that's the logic. Yeah, and I think they made there. it bigger as well because it was probably quite a big thing to get Carl Anderson involved in it. He's quite a he's quite a big Broadway star, mm. you know. He, um, so they really wanted to make use of him. Um, I really enjoyed it actually. Yeah. This bit, I, I quite like this song. Yeah, yeah, you like this bit. Yeah. Um, anyway, they find him guilty. Yep, they do. Yeah, even though it looked like it was going to go the other way because of the nutty police officer they've got. That's true. That's true. Um, you should say as well that in in the musical number, we have another moment where reality kind of breaks, don't we? Where all the jury suddenly are all dressed in gospel outfits, and then it cuts back to them later, and they're back looking normal again. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Later, LaRusso and Detective Franklin go and see a judge for a warrant. They've been watching the suspect's brother, the one that is problematic, and discovered where they think he's hiding. The judge is a little bit reluctant, saying that the last time that he signed a warrant for them, they trashed the wrong house. That's not surprising, really, is it? No. But he no. signs the warrant anyway, and he tells them not to screw up this time. Do you, know, do you know what? The, I, I, the more I'm reading this, the more I'm starting to agree with you that, yeah, it, it is terrible dialogue. <laughs> and I'm paraphrasing it. I'm really, like, shortened it down to, to tiny little moments. Any moment you're waiting for someone to go, you've got 24 hours to get that guy, and then someone to go, 24 hours, but I'm retiring. <laughs> It's, it's just one step away it from that not, kind of thing. It may turn up in the other uh, eight episodes. You never know. <laughs> it probably does, doesn't it? So LaRusso and Franklin turn up at the house. Got to say as well, that, I mean, we're, we're flying through this quite quickly, but the episode does kind of fly. It does It does move fast, doesn't it? No. Well, it is two hours long, right? <laughs> it felt quick to me. No. Isn't no, it? It's not. It wasn't, it wasn't two hours long. Oh, oh, gosh. Right. So LaRusso and Franklin turn up at the house. Two other young detectives are already holding the suspect inside. One of them explains that the suspect was trying to escape, so they grabbed him and took him back to the house. It turns out that the young cop screwed up by taking him back inside without a warrant, and the suspect knows this and starts to gloat. They find an Uzi hidden in a toilet. It That's where you should keep an Uzi. That's they right. always work well after that. Larissa angrily tells the young detectives that they screwed up. Does this does this mean the toilet was a was a loozy? Ah, well, here all night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are we getting worse, or are we just not trying anymore? <laughs> <laughs> is, is this is this uh, cop rock is bringing, bringing out the worst? worst. That's, that's very true. 
LaRusso angrily tells the dung detectives, yes, I am going to do that again because it... it the, wait, the, the, the dung <laughs> detectives? <laughs> Is that why they're in the toilet? <laughs> Looking for the Uzi? <laughs> you see any dung? <laughs> no. <laughs> no dung here. <laughs> Could have to move on somewhere else. There is a lot of pee going on in this. So. Yeah, that's true, right? Yeah. Well, it could be federal bathroom investigators. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. LaRusso angrily tells the young detectives that they've screwed up the bust within an illegal search without a warrant. He tells them to go and sit in the car while he goes back inside. Inside, LaRusso tells Franklin to stand the suspect up. The man demands his rights are read to him, but LaRusso suddenly pulls his gun and he shoots the suspect dead. Oh, just like T.J. Hooker would do. Well, no, he just beat him, wouldn't he? <laughs> he just beat him with his nightstick and then sit on him. He'd give him a knife and say, come for me. <laughs> <laughs> and do a flying double kick on him. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, scream probably. in his face about being a scum-sucking pig. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not a surprise, though, is it, to anybody when he just kills this guy? You can see it coming from about... A million miles away, can't you? I know. The weirdest thing is colleagues are all like, huh? I know. It's like, come on, you're you working with this guy for 20 odd years. You exactly. knew this was coming. Uh, picking up the Uzi, LaRusso tells Franklin that he was never here. But Franklin grimly replies, yeah, I am. So like you say, the way Franklin reacts, he's like, he's shocked that LaRusso's done this, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I'd... Frank, I'd be shocked if he didn't. <laughs> Pretty much, yes. But like, are you, are you not going to shoot him? Lucy, you're not going to, you're really not going to shoot him? Well, ah, didn't see that coming, LaRusso. You're just going to handcuff him and then call the backup? Well, you do that, surprise me, LaRusso. That would be a turn up, wouldn't it? Boy. Yeah, yeah. So LaRusso wipes the Uzi clean of prints and he places it in the dead man's hands. Yeah, a gun with no fingerprints. How did that happen? How did the Uzi get fired if there's no fingerprints on it? Yeah, yeah they Was just it the wipes guy's it. magic hands? <laughs> he just wipes it clean of all the policeman's hands, doesn't he? Cut print. Yeah, which wipes it of everybody's hands. But then he puts he's it back so... into the get dead guy's hand, doesn't he? Oh, does he? You didn't say that. You just said he wiped it clean. No, he I, wiped did. It clean. I did That's say that. Good. I did say that. Oh, you did? Oh, okay. <laughs> Later... News crews are interviewing the chief and the detectives. And the chief is telling the reporters that cops never celebrate anyone's death. Mm -hmm. But the young detectives are saying that they feel that the dead officer has finally been avenged. And, and then we cut back to the chief and says, we, we can never avenge a dead officer. <laughs> I thought that was quite an amusing moment. Yeah, it's done on purpose. It's good. Yeah. The captain arrives on the scene. The captain. The nameless captain, the man with no name. Commanding officer, yeah. don't know. Yeah. And he questions the forensic detective, Ruskin, about what happened. Now, Ruskin says that it all seems pretty cut and dried, but the captain has a nagging doubt. He notices cuff marks, but Ruskin tells him that they're old. So even the forensic guy isn't above corrupting the rules. Yeah. He's just, he's just desperate <sighs> to hang on to what he's got at home, isn't he? Because if he didn't have it, he wouldn't, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't be able to sing his song every night, would he? Well, that's true, yeah. Mm. Then his wife would get to sleep. With who? Uh, Andy, whatever his name was. Outside, the captain confronts LaRusso, telling him that he thinks that LaRusso just murdered the suspect. 
And while internal affairs have accepted the story, the captain just won't. He says that LaRusso disrespects the badge. The captain tells LaRusso, you can count on the fact that he's going to bust him. Even the... <laughs> See what I mean? You disrespect the badge. <laughs> oh, come on. No one no one actually... Does people... Do people actually talk like that? Do they say, like, you disrespect the badge? Again, I'm, I'm paraphrasing there. I'm not saying it word for word, and it still sounds bad. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you're in some kind of, like... Uh, thunderbirds club and you got like a little badge and you're like you're disrespecting the badge (laughs) (laughs) in a playground so so this next bit i liked oh all right i'm gonna say that up front a piano starts to play and we pan over to a lonely bench at the side of a railroad track where patty is cuddling her baby and a song starts Now, this song was the only song in the whole of the episode that was actually sung live by the actress on set. You know this? Yep, it was recorded live to a backing track, obviously. How do you know this? How do I know this? Because it was on the text commentary on the DVD that I watched. Okay. And I think it's quite a, a touching song. It's a bit of a lullaby, isn't it? Oh, don't roll your eyes yeah. at me. See, I'm not dead inside, Colin. I <laughs> know, oh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was it was nicely done. It was a nice moment. Um, as the song finishes, a car pulls up and a man in a suit gets out. He introduces himself as Glenn and he tells Paddy that they spoke on the phone. $200, right, he says, giving her some money. She nods. He tells her that the people that they spoke about will give her child a good home. Tearfully, she hands over the baby, and the man takes it back to the car. He drives away. Paddy starts to sing again. And we finish on a shot of a lonely Patty sat on a grubby, graffiti-covered bench. <laughs> Don't laugh at me as she finishes her lullaby. And we fade out. And that's the end of the pilot episode of Cop Rock. So, Paul, what did you think? Of Capra. You tell it to me again, haven't you? Now, this is definitely not going to be everyone's cup of tea. And 
if you struggle with the concept of musicals, you probably won't get past the opening sequence of this episode, I don't think. Yeah, the mix of gritty police drama and Broadway seems like an odd combination, as you said before. But I've got to say, I had, I had fun with it. Mostly. I thought the performances were were good. It's a shame the dialogue isn't as good as the actors that were involved in it, I think. Um, it was shot fantastically. I thought it looked fantastic. The musical numbers, aside from the terrible Randy Newman theme at the beginning, were, were fine. They ranged from average to, to pretty good. Bearing in mind this is... You know, I I would like to think that the musical numbers got got better as they went along, got staged slightly better. It was nice to see Carl Anderson, Ronnie Cox, and Ernie Hudson, even though they weren't in it much. Uh, it's bonkers. It's completely bonkers. All right. <laughs> but I think that was part of its charm for me, in a way, because you've never seen anything like this before, and I know you'll say thank God, but and you never and, <laughs> and you've never seen anything like this since. Right. I liked it. I had a good time with it. I mean, it's is it is it is it great? No, but that doesn't seem to be how we're judging hits anymore, is it? it we're we're just taking it subjectively now. And for me, I'm going to say it was a hit for me. All right. I watched this when it first came out, just the first episode. I never watched any of the others. Um, I never thought about it at all ever since that time. And that situation's not going to change. Again. <laughs> I haven't seen it again. Um, it's the most miserable 50 minutes of my life. Seriously? Oh, it's horrible. Go on then. Tell me why. It, you, you're like, it looks amazing. No, it doesn't. It looks like every other tedious 90s cop show I've ever seen in my life. Rubbish. You're talking out your ass. <laughs> you're being mean again Colin you're being mean I mean, <laughs> oh yeah sorry sorry no it just looks like every other cop show um, I think the problem is you say it's bonkers no it's not bonkers it's not bonkers enough that's it's problem oh so you'd, you'd like it should be you'd, more you'd bonkers you'd like to see more surreal stuff in it I want to see the Kendrick stuff it doesn't work because of the police gritty procedural stuff that's crowbarred with this awful infantile dialogue mm -hmm. and then it's got the surreal stuff that doesn't fit and the music no if you're going to do a musical cop show go bonkers or go home that's a nice slogan i like that <laughs> you work on that one <laughs> no i just 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 then Come that could be on. your new catchphrase you haven't, you need a new one go bonkers yeah. or go home <laughs> you have to remember that <laughs> um the the music all right, wasn't really impressed by any of it. Nothing. I don't. I don't hear any in my head after I watch the episode. It's gone, forgotten. That's where it belongs. Okay. Acting, average. Don't care. Not interested. Um, don't like any of the characters in the show. They're all awful. Yeah, the character. That, that, don't root for that, anybody. That is a bad. Uh, that is a, 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 a one of the things about it that that I. I do agree with you with that um, there's nobody likable. There's nobody to root for. But maybe that's what they were going for. That's fine, but it's not mm -hmm. for me. Don't. Why Why would I want to see 10 more episodes of people I don't like? 
I mean, it's bad enough doing uh, 82 episodes of a podcast with one. <laughs> no, no, I know you don't oh, mean that. a whole Colin. group. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, have, I will never think about this show again, ever. Oh, well. I will never watch another episode, another 10 seconds, nothing. I have no feelings towards it whatsoever. I would rather watch one of the Hammer films that you forced me to watch. Because at least I can get something from there. There'll be another one soon, don't you worry. Um, well, that, that's this is quite interesting because this is probably the first time where we strongly. I wouldn't say we. No, I wouldn't say we strongly disagree because I do agree with you on some of some of the points that you've made. But you got absolutely nothing from it, whereas mm-hmm. I kind of enjoyed it. Nope. A migraine. <laughs> that's what I got from it. Does that count? <laughs> well, that's a thing. You got something, so. Yeah, it's a thing. Oh, that's, that's, yeah, this yeah. is the a, a true split decision. We've not had one of these for a long time, Colin. That's true. And just to you know, to make it official, this TV show would have to improve two hundred percent to actually be a miss. Wow! So it doesn't even qualify as a miss. No, it's not even a show. It's just a thing. Well, like wallpaper. Fair enough. Well, jo- join us next time when we'll, we'll be talking about my mother, the car. From <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's going to be a hit. <laughs> Telling you now. <laughs> yeah, we we may do it at some point in the future. It sounds like something that'd be up our street. So, here's the thing, Paul. We're doing carp rock, but we're talking about a show that we've never even seen. Mark <laughs> and carp rock. Yeah, that is a problem. Let that sink that is in a problem, for a bit. Yes, I understand. Okay. All right, well, we'll leave Cop Rock there, like everyone else did, back mm. in 1990. Yeah, well, no, they they managed 10 more. I'm sure you've seen all 11. I've only watched about... I think I've watched five. I've watched five. Yeah, that's what you're doing, Paul. Wow. Right. It's fine. Yeah, mm-hmm. all six. So we'd love to hear your opinion about Cop Rock. But meanwhile, thank you for listening. Please subscribe and rate us wherever you download this podcast. And thank you to our current Patreon supporters. And if you can, spread the word about the podcast. Tell your friends, why should you suffer alone? Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>